Welcome to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast, and I'm your host, Derek L. Calhoun. KIPP, for short, brings you an exclusive look at the nature of humanity as we interface with culture and society in and out of our relationship with God. It explores the unique and contrasting position of having a biblical worldview versus a secular or societal worldview. I will explore these topics using the powerful and dynamic tools of the didactic narrative, teaching a relevant truth through storytelling, biblical exposition, teaching Bible principles, and of course, real talk. My background scans a diversity of over 35 years of work in education, government, law, ministry, business development, and consulting, respectively. Each guest speaker will bring a variety of wisdom and insight to life topics and situations that we encounter on a daily basis. So all I need you to do now as listeners is to sit back and enjoy the podcast, spread the word about KIPP, the Kingdom Influencing Podcast, and I will be your host, Derek L. Calhoun. That's hashtag KIP, hashtag KIP. Help me to make KIP your favorite Friday podcast. Now, let's get started. Whoa, time is truly flying. We must be having some fun. It is May the 6th. Spring is in full bloom. Uh, This month, about 20-something days, I'm going to be a year older. Mm-hmm. Thought I was going to tell you how old I am, but I'm not. But I want to get right into it today because I was reading uh, the books of uh, Acts. The book of Acts. I've been reading, we well, actually been reading through the book of Acts, but um, looking specifically at uh, chapter 13 and 14. And in chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas preached in a city called uh, Antioch. And they were preaching the gospel, man, and, and sharing the gospel in such a way that really blessed the people of that day. So much so that they asked them to come and preach again the following week. And on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blasphemy. And they opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you rejected it and you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles, for so the Lord has commanded us. So they began to, to speak to the Gentile nation. The Jews of, of Antioch were upset and callous. And it, 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 it's so crazy because they were really upset simply because of one thing the one thing was when they were preaching they were not drawing these kind of crowds remember the text says that half the city almost the whole city showed up to hear the word of god uh, being preached by by paul so just imagine that you know you've been preaching for 20 years or 15 years or 10 years or five years and it, the whole city ain't never showed up. Matter of fact, you ain't never had more than a handful of people at the synagogue. And then all of a sudden, Paul comes to town, 
preaches the word with power and the authority of God, and now all of these people show up. Well, here's 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 my point, and and what I'm going to be talking about today is cancel culture, because immediately this notion of cancel culture, which we thought was a modern day uh, circumstance or a modern day um, uh, tactic. Uh, no, cancel culture has been weaponized for a very, very long time. And even in this text, if I was to read uh, verse 50, it says, But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, expelled them from their region, but they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. And then when they, they got to Iconium, again, they started preaching in the synagogues, but here's this cancel culture again. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren, which is something that we see today, something that happens today when people stand up for truth or stand up for the gospel or stand up for those things that are right, that people will use the Internet and use uh, all of the various platforms available to them on the Internet to essentially cancel someone and cause such a ruckus in another person's life that people, instead of speaking truth, they'd rather be politically correct. And being politically correct does not mean you are necessarily speaking the truth. It merely means that you are usually acquiescing uh, the truth to be in the crowd, uh, speaking from a point of compromise so that you don't get canceled. Well, sometimes we just have to be canceled and sometimes we just have to go through what we have to go through they they went to lystra and preached the gospel and they thought that they were gods and and i'm talking about in the likeness of zeus and hermes and and uh uh <laughs> it, it, it was just crazy and, and so it was an interesting circumstance that eventually these these men became so angry with them again that they wanted them out of the town and so here here's the here's the caveat here here's where cancel culture hit meets the road then the Jews from Antioch and you remember the story of Antioch the whole city came out Iconium you remember where they stirred up the unbelieving Jews and poisoned the the, the Gentiles came to to Lystra and Having persuaded the multitudes, uh, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went to the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. So basically, he was running from town to town because of cancel culture. But cancel culture was so detrimental during the time of the first and second century that they literally, get this now, literally came after Paul from two different cities, a mob of people. They stoned him, dragged him out of the city, thought he was dead. However, when the disciples walked, came around him, Paul was able to rise and escape to Derby. What, what a story. What a story of cancel culture in the first century and how Paul withstood it and with that same veracity and with that same faith and that same fervor and that same zeal we need to stand in this postmodern culture because this persecution 
pales in comparison to the persecution that the apostles received at the hand of men and women. Uh, Peter was was crucified upside down. I mean, there were stonings, there were beatings, there were whippings. I, I think I shared that with you in the earlier chapters of Acts. And it was an incredulous situation just because they spoke truth. They spoke truth to power. We'll be talking about that next week. But this week, let's stay on this topic of preparing for cancel culture. We need to prepare for cancel culture. And I read the word of God because that's part of our our backdrop for preparation. You read the word and you see how there's nothing new under the sun and that cancel culture has been around for a long time. It's been weaponized for a long time and that you can survive cancel culture under the power of the Holy Ghost. So what is cancel culture? Cancel culture is apparent in today's marketplace and in the church. So there's nowhere where you can go where there is no cancel culture. It is unavoidable in our culture and has become a mainstay of current thought. A matter of fact, my definition of cancel culture is very simple. I want you to get this and I'm going to give you uh, the other denotative meanings, but I want you to hear what, what's in my heart. It is a way to lynch, stifle, or dismiss a thought, opinion, or practice that is unpopular to pop culture or inherence of what we call free thought. And I'll give you the definition of free thought a little later on. Sometimes cancel culture is used in a positive light, and sometimes it is, to denounce an unacceptable behavior or belief system, but more than often, it is used to take away one's opinion on a topic that has become socially acceptable in spite of its moral roots and implications, okay? And so they say they'll take what is good and make it bad. They'll take what is bad and make it good. And then they develop a barometer for uh, canceling people. Uh, so you'll hear people say, I'm going to cancel them. And so let me give you a cancel culture definition a denotative definition that people use today. Cancel culture or call-out culture is a contemporary phrase used to refer to a form of ostracism in which someone is thrust out of a social or professional circles, whether it be online, on social media, or in person. Those subject to this ostracism are said to have been canceled. Number two, another definition is the practice or tendency of engaging in mass canceling as a way of expressing disapproval and exerting social inf social pressure. And number three, for those of you who aren't aware, cancel culture refers to the mass withdrawal of support from public figures or celebrities who have done things that aren't socially accepted today. This practice of canceling or mass shaming often occurs on social media platforms such as Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. So you see how they weaponize it using digital media. They put the word out on you and usually people fall into this culture of not dealing with you. You it's like having a plague. It's like in the old days and in biblical antiquity. So if you had leprosy, uh you were unclean and you couldn't touch anybody or be around anybody. So Essentially, cancel culture puts you in that same perspective digitally 
uh, or uh, physically, uh, people do not want you around. You, you, for all intents and purposes, have the plague. You have a kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Digital leprosy, if you will, okay? So let me, let me quickly give you the definition of free thought because I talked about free thinkers uh, not uh, wanting uh, or using uh, social uh, media as cancel culture to cancel people's thoughts. So here's, here's what a free thought, a person who demonstrates free thought is. Free thought is an epistemological viewpoint um, which holds that beliefs should not be formed on the basis of, watch this, four things, authority, tradition, revelation, or dogma, and that beliefs should instead be reached by methods such as logic, reason, empirical observation, which, which opens it up and, you know, sets it up where anybody can believe whatever they want to believe. So, so, so listen to this. The goal today is to capture and subdue cancel culture and to restore the inherent value of truth and its consequences. Truth has consequences, even if it's being canceled because you speak the truth. But we have to embrace that because the truth is worth it. When we were talking earlier, the reason I was sharing uh, Acts 13 and 14 is because Paul and Barnabas demonstrated that the truth was worth it. In spite of the persecution, in spite of being talked about, in spite of being uh, associated with a different uh, level of the faith, they hung in there, they fought the good fight of faith, and even when they were stoned, they continued to teach and preach truth to power. So just because you speak truth to power does not always mean that you will get a favorable response. And more than likely, you will not get a favorable response. Sometimes it is the equivalent of putting your hand through a beehive, stirring up a relentless assault on your truth, on your thought, and your character. Because when cancel culture comes at you, they're going to assault your truth, your thought, and your character. However, Every cancel culture assault has a starting point and an ending point or ending date, and it will not last forever. So we have to endure hardness as a good soldier of, of the Lord. It is a part of truth telling because you cannot move and remove the collective religious thoughts of a community with the gloves of truth and expect no chaos or turmoil. All right. So cancel culture is a part of truth telling because you cannot move and and or remove the collective religious thoughts of a community with the gloves of truth and don't expect chaos or turmoil. They're coming for you. All right. Thoughts and religious experience are very much tethered to a person's inner behavioral patterns. So when you introduce a thought that tampers with those patterns or you introduce truth, that tampers with those patterns of behavior, it automatically stirs up the hornet's nest and introduces cancel culture or weaponizes cancel culture to control the narrative. Are you, are you catching this? We have to learn to endure cancel culture in order to stand in the truth of the word. At the end of the day, we must believe in the sovereign, sustainable power of God against the proliferation of negativity coming against us through the channels of cancel, cancel culture. 
So we must prepare. What do I mean by prepare? Or what is the meaning of prepare? To make ready beforehand for some purpose, to put in a proper state of mind, uh, to be prepared to listen to someone, to work out the details of a plan in advance. We've got to be prepared. We've got to realize that these things are going to come against us. So let me give you a few strategies. Number one, preparation starts with a proper mindset. After you have done all you can do, stand, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. We must remember that the battle is not yours, but the battle belongs to the Lord. Number two, you must have an impenetrable, impenetrable belief system. So you have to believe beyond belief. You have to believe beyond what you see. You have to realize that what you see is temporary and what you can't see is eternal in the heavens. So here we go. Let me give you some subtopics. A, in my weakness, Christ is made strong. So his grace is sufficient for me in my time of weakness, okay? B, moreover, he is a very present help in the time of trouble. Some kind of way Paul survived that stoning. God was with him and he was a very present help. C, lastly, no weapon formed against me shall prosper and every tongue that is raised up against me shall be condemned. This is the heritage of the children of God. Finally, you must process, number three, you must process, you must process, you must possess internal grit or tenacity. You have to have it, the ability to stick to something, to have determination and not to let it go. So A, I must learn the art of enduring hardness like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. B, if I suffer with him, I will reign with him. There's no way that we can be a part of the kingdom of God and not suffer. C, all things work together for the good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So cancel culture may sting or even hurt, but it is the price or cost of speaking truth to power. Cancel culture, as revealed in biblical antiquity, ends at the cross, sort of. But it really ends in the tomb with the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So if you get canceled, you will be resurrected again. You will get up again. You will live to fight another day. Worst case scenario, you will not only live to fight another day, you'll live to see another day. And because you will be, and because of that, you'll be the last man standing. You'll be the last man standing. Because he lives, you will be able to face tomorrow. So fight the good fight of faith. Cancel culture is unavoidable. Remember, God's got your back and you'll be successful in this postmodern age. Listen, you've been listening to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I'm your host, Derek L. Calhoun. Share this broadcast everywhere, this podcast everywhere that you possibly can. Make sure you subscribe and I'll see you next week with part two of Council Culture. But we won't necessarily call it part two. We'll just call it Speaking Truth to Power. If you want to hear that message, tune in next week. God bless.